Oh man, fuck this monkey magic shit. I am out of here. Simo and Redmond are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Red, mate, a lot of cars in 994 were awesome. But if you're ready, I've got a bit of a special guest star coming for you. You're going to have a bit of a chat with St. Lucy, as I mentioned earlier. Look, I'm just going to go and grab her. Not inappropriately. I'm just going to actually go and get her and bring her down. So without any further ado, it's time for St. Lucy. Hey, Adam, how are you going? Hello. Good morning, St. Lucy. Good morning. Merry New Year. Hey, same to you. What's going on? <laughs> Welcome back to uh, the podcast. Thank you. It's been for... a while since we've had you on. I know, it has, hasn't it? Time's really flown. Yeah, we've got plenty to catch up on. Simo tells me that you've been making him watch Monkey Magic. Oh, yeah, no, the poor thing. He was tormented last night. We watched a couple of episodes and I I just was reliving my childhood. Fabulous. Yeah, I, I, really, well, it's the opposite. He's, he hasn't stopped living his childhood. He doesn't have to relive it. He has to. <laughs> just, the other thing, well, I, I thought we might talk about Monkey Magic a bit, but the other thing that he just consistently talks about is how poor your driving is. What? <laughs> I think he might be a bit mistaken there. <laughs> I, look, I'm just trying to. Get, I'm just trying my hardest to get him a night on the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just happened. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm a. I'm a fabulous driver. I'm. I'm a nanny driver. I think if you can drive some of that fleet of uh, various stuff that he's got, I would agree with that. Hey, do you want to talk about monkey magic? Monkey magic, yeah. I hear you loved it as well as a kid. I, anything that's got that real, um, you know, I compare it. It's not in, in a date, but I compare it in kind of texture or whatever feeling to, remember Never Ending Story? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know, with Sebastian, the, that kind of real wispy, dreamy kind of television stuff. It was good. The uh, the intro always used to get me with, with Monkey Magic. You know the narrative? Do you remember oh, that I, intro? I do, yes, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and that funky sort of music. Well, that's it. The music doesn't suit it at all because Monkey Magic, they're trying to maybe tap into some of the Eastern mystics, some of the Asian stuff that was happening at the time, like, I don't know, Bruce Lee a little bit and um, everybody's kung fu fighting and trying to tap into it. But the music, dead set, is miles from there. Whoever the uh, music director is, the view, it's got no, thankfully, no Asian touch points of any music at all. It's just kind of, yeah, a real rolling kind of jangly thing. I'm, I'm sure they done it deliberately. You know, they did an album and they released it in their own country and it was number one for eight weeks and then it was re- released in the UK and it didn't, obviously, it didn't get to number one, but it was number 56 for uh, seven weeks. So people loved it back wow. then. People loved the music and, and, and even now people just love that music. That's I crazy, really- isn't it? Yeah, I feel really sorry for the people listening to this that hate monkey magic because <laughs> we're both so passionate. Well, on your behalf, my behalf, I'd just say to them, look, get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or just exactly. tune hey, out. Fun, tune out right now. We'll be back never with a short message. <laughs> um, yeah, I like uh, somebody put something on uh, Instagram saying they weren't sure about the gender of the who's the other you know the oh Trippy Tucker. What's the one? Yeah, yes, that's an amazing Tucker. story. Like that woman was so beautiful. Like she she died when she was twenty seven of leukemia, but she went um you know she was just like an average sort of she dropped out of school. 
to do it, pursue acting and um, she she went for this role against all these males and, and she just looked the part and they said, yep, you got it. But yeah, no, everyone would always say, oh my God, is it a woman or a man or it was a lady. Androgyny, I was not quite sure. Yeah, great work. He's <laughs> added that word to the, uh, the podcast. I just think it was uh, pretty cool. Some of the Asian stuff is like a spirit animal. You know, you've got monkey and you've got pigsy and you've got... So using some of that sort of stuff, what do you reckon? It doesn't have to be Asian. What do you reckon your spirit animal would be? A horse. But, you know, a like... Horse. Yeah, the actual... The horse that Tripitaka was on, like, it got taken over by a dragon and sometimes it took the form of a horse and then other times it would just take the form of something else, like a person. So... Yeah, if I was in the show, I'd be the horse. You'd be the horse. I was trying to think of... Um, Not that I'm a dragon. A <laughs> I, hey, I, don't want to get, I don't want to get in two nights on the lounge. Or maybe I do. <laughs> and what about you? What, what would your spirit animal be? My spirit animal would be an eagle. You know, I've got my head in the clouds. I'm a daydream or whatever, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably along, you know, American Indian. I'm, you know, like the lines, not dots kind of Indian. But what are you thinking... This, this gives us a fantastic opportunity to pick a spirit animal for Simon. Oh, gee, um, a dog. A dog? Yeah. Right. And what's, your, what's the background for that? <laughs> he, sleeps on the, he sleeps on the lounge? <laughs> no, no. Well, no, he will be tonight after what he said about my driving. <laughs> no, our two dogs just connect with him, like even though it's typically like, you know, they originally were my dogs, but yeah, he's just taken over and they, they have just assumed him as the owner. So yeah, there's something about, I reckon he was a dog in a past life or something. <laughs> he is quite alpha, but the spirit animal that I've uh, designated him as an octopus. An octopus? Because he has his just hands much, in everything. <laughs> yeah, he just gets everything done. He's doing like... At your own risk. I could ask Christian, what are you doing, Simon? And he just, like, we have phone calls in when he's, when he's driving somewhere. He puts you on hands. Hey, you've got to go. Doing this. Um, <laughs> doing this. But the way that he does, like, he's BMX. Uh, he does all the podcast stuff, the editing. He writes for magazines, builds some great panel vans. And just, you know, when I say what you do to relax, he's like, don't I build a BMX or whatever. It just... In the last 12 months, or a bit, bit over 12 months, he's figured out this whole podcasting himself. It's been like he's figured out Skype recorder. It's seriously amazing. I it is. Like, it is. I'm in awe of it. Like my background's advertising, you know, film and TV and stuff. And I don't think I could work that stuff out in the time he does. It's really good what he's done. He's yeah. figured out the iTunes to upload it and licensing part of it. Spotify, ShareCloud, Audio City that record on. He does all the editing. Facebook, Instagram. I, I had no experience at all with any social media. And he, he said to me, you know, 12 months ago, mate, you have to jump on and do some of this uh, Instagram. So that's that's it. Just yep. podcasting. Oh, he trademarked us. This is all <laughs> within the last 13 months. Yeah, he's, he's basically what gets his podcast done. I get almost a free ride. So, yeah. The no, both of you work really hard together. It's, you know, you've both done an awesome job in getting this all off the ground. So, yeah, no, it's great. And I'm just happy just to every once in a while pop in and say hello. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Uh, let's get back to Monkey. Yeah, so if he was an octopus, you know how monkey magic has all, like, the cool sound effects, like when he pulls his chest hairs out, yes. he, he blows yep. him in the air, and then his monkey crew come, and they do, like, this kind of Asian fight scene, and, yeah, I can hear all the sound effects as the, the, the tentacles go out, and he's doing a million jobs at once, but, yeah. I think we should have a contest who can do the best monkey cloud summons. You go oh, first. Oh, yeah. Now you want me to do it? Yep, go. Okay. You go first. Well, you know, a funny story behind that is sometimes I'd be in the kitchen and just talking to Simon, and we'd just be 
having a combo and then all of a sudden I just I just do that sound effect and he just like cock his head like a dog like what the heck is this woman doing so yeah I I didn't know that he didn't know what I was doing and I've been doing it for years <laughs> so yeah I'm not very good at it obviously so um you go first actually no no you, you no you go first that's because you know we're ladies before gentlemen and then, yeah. mm, okay all right um now you'll go that was embarrassing <laughs> Now, that, that is so ridiculous. I can't believe I can't do into that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, you are doing it. I'm not moving any cord till you do it. You have to do it now. Come on. Okay, you ready? <clears throat> Ping! <laughs> what about the one with the cloud? Like, I mean, even just, you know, the, the sort of the background noise, the really kind of elevator 70s sort of movie. It's I mean, it's almost like something out of like a soft porn, isn't it? That really kind of like cruisy sort of like funky 70s movie sort of sounds. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, but that's the, just me thinking. I wouldn't know either, but yeah. <laughs> the, um, that, but the other thing, Monkey himself, the actor, is it just me or did they choose a dead set round eye to play him? He doesn't look all that Asian unless it's, of, you know, some of the southern Asian, but he definitely doesn't look very Asian, does he? Don't you reckon? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he, yeah, I don't know where he's from, but yeah. Pretty round eyeish. <laughs> He's a bit, <laughs> yes, not like Pigsy, but um, no, Pigsy, yeah. Yeah, Pigsy. <laughs> that's a good thing about a, a childhood. I think almost you would probably have a, fr- a friend nicknamed Pigsy, wouldn't you? At that time, <laughs> probably. We, we, we certainly nicknamed you know some of our mates of Monkey and Pigsy and stuff. The same as Hogan's Heroes, you know, we all had a Schultz, and you know, it's where television does tend to play a. Because uh, you can't go anywhere when you're a kid, you don't have a license or a car or anything. So after it's dark, whatever, you just watch television. Oh, that's that's it. You, yeah, you, you watch this show and then my brother would be out in the yard with a broomstick like beating me over the head and, <laughs> and giving me Chinese burns and everything. And that's that's what the whole fun of it was for the youngsters. You know, it was this like bringing this Asian sort of Asian style fantasy action to the screen that they'd never really seen. I have to admit, I did give it a bit of a replay the last couple of, well, since Simon mentioned it. So it's still pretty good. I mean, production values and I think the, mm. you know, artistically I, I honestly think it's good i mean i think yeah i think it's pretty like fabulous but i do love the really cheesy sort of special effects and the the sound effects there they're not it's actually total top quality but i mean yeah when i was watching it last night apart from having struggling to understand it a bit <laughs> um yeah, it's it's still really fun and entertaining to watch. They would have been cut and splice on the reels. They would have had to put it all together. They can't just, you know, haven't got video, digital editing like we have. So each time they done it would have been. Uh, I wish I had the figures on how many episodes they done. But when I watch back, look back on some of the I Dream a Genie or uh, them ones, it's a bit cringeworthy. Yeah. But I thought Monkey was pretty good. I could kind of get into it. It's got a real cult following, doesn't it? Like it's just, um, it's just one of those things that people even to this day like it. But notice it doesn't get replayed anymore. When I watched it last night, I thought this is fabulous. Like it's so violent. Everything they solve, it's solved by you know having a fight, and then it's done, and they're all friends again, or they just you know move on to the next town. But nowadays, it just would be like, just like real life. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh no, me. you can't. You can't call me that. You can't tell I'm. I'm going to sue you. You just called me an idiot. But yeah, <laughs> everyone's so. Precious these days. I watched some old episodes of uh, Happy Days. We record them on that whatever the thing is on the telly, the nerd box thing, whatever it is. And um, yeah. I was surprised at some of the themes in Happy Day. It doesn't actually deal with even back then, like smoking is bad and bullying and 
I never remembered any of that from the original time, but it's it's almost as if they've gone back in and spliced it into there, but they haven't. It's it's quite decent. Happy Days yeah, one that survived. Yeah. Pretty and Fonzie's cool. Yeah, no, he's cool, but you're right. No, it had sort of a real bit of a clean edge to it. and um, I mean, even Monkey Magic, like, it always had some moral to it. Even though they nearly all killed each other, there'd be this really lovely, or oh, you're almost dead, but Buddha says blah, 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 <laughs> and then you go away feeling really good about it. Just That's yeah. right. I meant to write that down, and I forgot in, in the introduction to the, each week they say something about the Buddha said this, that, and the other, and that would have been, I'm really sure the first time I heard of Buddha, I probably would have from that when read a bit, you know, you could still act go to the local library where I lived and get encyclopedias. Mm, yeah. I found a bunch of encyclopedias the other day in this old library that I was actually. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's why we're talking about encyclopedias, you know, if you insist. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? You see them, like, we grew up with them. We had the encyclopedia. You did an assignment. Couldn't exactly plagiarise because that was all that was there. <laughs> and, yeah, but we had them and we always referred to them. They were really cool. I was just thinking out aloud, I, w- I wonder how many people out there like us are, are fans of Monkey Magic, like, that grew up with it and still love it or do people forget about it it's such a thing of the past like i still remember it really fondly yeah. watching it last night i'm yeah. like oh, God, i wouldn't mind watching this you know again if it wasn't for simo <laughs> if you can jump on uh instagram and direct messages and let us know your thoughts and send us a few clips of your monkey we might make it monkey month uh, february is <laughs> monkey month <laughs> my monkey magic, but I actually hate monkeys. I physically hate that primate as a species, maybe because I am an orangutan, orangutan, <laughs> but I hate monkeys. I do not like them. Really? I think they're very cute. I'd love to have a little monkey. They're very, they're very clever as in the way that they're like, you know what, we're just not going to well. get right to that point where we've got posable thumbs, but fuck you, we're not going to get jobs and tax file numbers. Like, you could have a tax file number. You could drive a fucking bulldozer, you little shit monkey. Come here. All we want to do is sit out there and eat trees and piss on each other, you little fucking... I hate monkeys. They can help increase the tax base, you know? All right, let's talk about dogs. <laughs> dogs are cute. Oh. I hear you like dogs. I do like dogs, but I can't eat a whole one, you know? If you start from the back and eat the crispy bit first, but time I get through the ears, man, I love them. Yeah, that's not true. I don't, uh, I don't eat dogs. I've got three little rat dogs here, though, that drive me mad. They're nothing but uh, bark and eat and fart and sleep. But actually, yeah. just probably it's like having three Simos. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with you, H? Tell me about the EH. Well, um, so, yeah, Simo's been doing some of the body work on it now and cutting out some of the rust to the uh, subframe. So that's a really big job. You know, I always thought it would be a dream to work with someone that was as passionate as I am with cars. But I don't know if there's many people out there listening right now that actually have, like, uh, you know, a partner that is also as passionate and you're working together on a car. It's actually really quite hard because you both have your own ideas and, it's like it's it's not the easiest thing to do it's so fun it's fabulous um and it's great to have the same passion but at times it's not always really easy sounds like maybe you'll be sleeping in blue crash hey i've got i've definitely got some comments on that just from in a workshop a lot of jobs like as a mechanic a lot of jobs can be two three four men you can even if you've got a couple of cranes and a boilermaker so there's a little rule of thumb like a little rhyme that you have to say to yourself to make it flow and i'll tell you this is serious like okay when you're doing it when you're doing a job you have to either lead follow or get the fuck out of the way so that's what you tell an apprentice when he rocks up if someone's got a pretty good idea just say guys look i think we can do it by jacking it up here and putting this on here even if you're not 100 percent confident <laughs> In the mm. way they're talking, you follow them. Yeah, yep, I'll do it. 
But if you dead set in your heart, you know you've got a good way that you want the job to be done and you can explain it and do it, then you lead and they follow. You know what yeah, I mean? So there's, yeah. there's, only, there's only three possible courses you can take during a job. Lead, follow, or get the fuck out of the way. And that's just coming from years and years in workshop. That's the way, that's the way I deal with it every day. When if somebody jumps in, you can see they've got the energy and passion. Even if you think to yourself, oh, we could do it another way, just let them lead and get on with it. If it means a lot to you and it's worth you getting your point across, then you, you say them words and say, mate, let's do it this way. But that's in a perfect world. And let's you know, <laughs> democracy's not fucking, you know, <laughs> It's not all being, but yeah, that's just how we deal with it in a little workshop way. It's and it's a little rhyme that you'll get told as soon as you as soon as you start your time. But it is enjoyable. I'm sure that I'm sure it's not really. It's so much a matter of design. You probably both have your head around how you want the car to look and feel. It's just a matter of achieving it. And which where you start, I, I fall into that trap as well. Where do you start? Where do you work to? What's the goal you're trying to achieve that day? That's it. Yes. And it is difficult building a car, no matter. No matter. I'm sure most people listening to be in the same boat that have had difficulties. No, I'm. I'm very finicky on the panel work and the metal and everything. Like I'm. I'm. You know, we. Everyone has different things. Like must be. You know, the, about the paint or the the engine. Or I mean, the engine is like the heart of the car. That's just what I love. But the panel work and you know having everything just absolute minty mint. I'm so passionate about. I'm sure that every panel beater that's ever met me hates me, and I would. <laughs> I totally understand that. <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, we're getting through that phase and we will get there. But, um, yeah, we're both at, like, um, point number three when we're working on it. <laughs> I've seen you, see you set hard date for a finish. That's very wise. I've seen Simon said that he wouldn't mind choosing 31st. Or was it the – did he choose the first of the first 20 to have it finished or did he choose 29, 12, 19 to finish it? I think by the end of the year, but just see how it goes. Yeah. You know, you never know. It might take longer. It yeah. might be quicker. So, um, I mean, we got to build the whole engine, and I'm, I'm just like, I want to strip it, and I want to, I want to go upstairs. I want to give it an acid bath. <laughs> I want to, I want it just yeah. to be glowing. And he's just shaking his head at me. So, um, but no, uh, no, we'll get it. Yeah, we'll get it done. So you know how it is working on cars. Yeah, Sometimes you've got to put put your head back in and just just get it done and have some that, fun. That's part of the fun. I speak to a lot of people that. They say, oh, this workshop ripped me off, that workshop ripped me off, this guy's no good, that guy's no good. I think in our in our passion, in our hobby, street cars, we celebrate the success a bit more. Every car that's in the cover of our favourite magazine, the Horsepower Bible, it would have a story behind it like dodgy panel work getting ripped off, getting hit. But the magazine, I know they just, all they do is celebrate the success. They go, hey, this car is finished and this guy done good and this guy yeah. done good. We don't, yeah. we don't have to get back, you know, get back in. So it is celebrating success. That sounds like an incredibly Gen Y phrase for someone. <laughs> Next, I'll be using functional safety and words like that. Hey, we're all, we're all pretty keen to see the EHR roll too. That'll be cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's going to be good when it's done. But I just going back to that point you're saying, you know, the success and especially the failures, I think, you know, in all fairness to, to workshops, panel shops or whatever, it's, it's actually what you brief the person doing your car mate, I want it back to bare metal, I want to, you know, I want to see it and I want to see the spot well, you know, whatever, like, they've got to be clear on what exactly your expectations are as well, so you can't just have a bit of a whinge afterwards if to begin with you weren't really clear, absolutely clear on what you wanted, so... That's dead right as well, I had a friend build himself a 911 Porsche, unfortunately he's passed away now, but he, he spent $40,000 to get the body uh, and paint done perfect, and twice the guy that was doing the body rang him up and said, look, are you sure? He went matte grey with it, matte finish grey, which oh. is an extremely, extremely strange colour for a yeah. car. 
So, so the panel beater rang him up twice and tried to talk him into a red or a blue, you know, like it's something that can really show the panel work. And yeah. every time he stuck to his guns and he wanted metal grey. And then the way he tells the story, the third time the panel beater rings, says, mate, can you meet me at such and such? What's that? Not coffee world. What is it? We have breakfast and coffee. What coffee house or co- uh, coffee club? Coffee club. And he goes, yeah. oh, can you meet me coffee club? It's actually in Mackay, somewhere at such and such a time. Yeah, okay. So he's thinking, oh, is he going to bounce for money or was? So he goes and meets him, and the guy again tried to talk into a solid colour, and he, he rings and says, I just had a date with my panel beater, an absolute date. He took me out for breakfast, and in the end, <laughs> my, my friend stuck to his guns, and he got it painted grey, and he was the only person in the world that was happy with it. <laughs> well, I didn't like the colour, but yeah. that's, that's right. You've got, to, you've got to build it. And you especially using yep. farm it out to use your vendors, you do have to uh, have a clear vision of how you want it done. That's right. And sometimes you don't know until it comes back and you think, oh, oh, you may not know the technicalities behind things. And you think, hang on a moment, this isn't right. And then you do a bit more research, or particularly for me, like, I don't know, as a girl with cars, I don't know everything and I don't have dads or brothers that are into cars. So sometimes I've done some dumb stuff and it's come back and I'm like, oh, geez, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've got some really dumb stories, but I'm not sharing them. Tune <laughs> <laughs> in the triples. It's, it's quite tricky when you uh, when you get options from the vendor, like the engine builder or the panel builder, or the, when they yeah. might say, hey, look, I um, can't build you the, the metal wall block, but I do have such and such here. Then all of a sudden, you're not exactly compromising, but you're trying to go with the flow to get over the line where your original thought and your original design doesn't quite get met because of conditions. So that's, that's, a, that's an intricate web. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. But I've had some good people in the past I've worked with, so I've been so lucky. So, And now I'm working with Simo, which is good. Obviously good and we have our headbutts, but it's fun, so, yeah. Maybe you'll both, maybe you'll both, maybe you'll both sleep in Blue Crush. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so do you have any more comments on uh, Monkey Magic, like any fun memories, or did your whole family watch it, or was it just you? Uh, my sister wouldn't have, wouldn't have liked Monkey, no, I just remember coming home from school watching that and Hogan's Heroes and, and all, all stuff from around that to Mashes. Mashes is one of the great ones that I can still watch now. But no, absolute comments around Monkey. I just I just thought it was great how bizarre and how imaginative it was, you know, yeah. it was, it was, you know compared to a, a comedy set in a German prison camp in World War Two, which wouldn't have been that much fun, Hogan. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> I do um, like some costume design on the side and, and um, quite often you know, I'm working with different people and everything and I'm doing headpieces and, and I say, you know, look, I'm not going to make it like monkey magic spec. Like it's, it is going to be like comfortable, but it's not going to be, you know, amazingly comfortable. <laughs> and the amount of people that just look at me and don't know what I'm talking about, it's just amazing. <laughs> And then I'm, and then I have to say, look, it's going to be kind of comfortable, but beauty isn't totally comfort, so just get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we're going to make it look like something from Mad Max. You're going to have a, a spike coming out of your head, but you'll look beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you see, see somebody? Did you see somebody uh, sent a photo the other day of a little uh, mini? Is it Linda Hurst? I did. That was so cool. Was yeah, I'm not much uh, bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was fabulous. Yeah. Well, I suppose I should get you Simo. He's upstairs. I'm not quite sure what he's doing at the moment. It's probably EH part related. We're looking for a few bits and bobs at the moment for completion. Right, that's uh, no problem at all. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming back on. And please don't make as long until you join us again next time. It'd be great no, to get you. No, on. I won't. Please. 
Um, if any listeners have any topics of what you want us to talk about, just just let us know. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Aunt Lucy. And give me your best good morning Vietnam gum rule, a loud one. Oh, no, I can't do that. No. <laughs> yes. well, you go first and then I will. No way. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you go. Right you, go. you go. No, I can't. Uh, I can't. Dead to sleep. I'll make that up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Take I'll care. see you soon. Bye. Thanks very much, Lucy, the patron saint of the thong slappers. And Simon as hashtag way better half. <laughs> Oh, yep. Yeah. I'm almost scared to go back and listen to that, but we'll just wait and see what she said. I hope you guys both got this whole monkey magic stuff out of your system. Oh, we're committed to doing a 76-part uh, podcast for it, if you wouldn't mind editing for us starting next week. <laughs> she made me watch an episode of it last night. Just She was sort of getting a couple of notes reminding herself of a couple of the names, and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, you know what? I'd rather be hammering nails through my knob than watching this show right about now. Why can't you just do both? Well, <laughs> I was close to. Yeah, it's scary. So anyway, look, no, thanks, Lucy. It's great when you can come on and, and uh, I guess, put a different slant on a lot of different subjects like she does with me every day. She's so, a fucking saint. <laughs> she is. She's good value. Mate, I guess to get on with some more 1994, we're actually wrapping this up because next episode we have a special guest star in the form of Gus, a.k.a. Paul Cronin from Street Machine Magazine and also the hilarious YouTube show, the Gus Bus series and the Facebook page, All Things Bogan. We'll be talking about a lot of stuff with that. He actually nominated 2003 to be the... Uh, year we're going to talk about next episode and of course we'll be reviewing the February 2019 issue of Street Machine Magazine. So we've got to kind of just I guess nip up some 1994 leftovers mate. I've got a bit to do on music so do you want to get the party started? I've definitely spoken more than I should of this episode we need to hear the beautiful tones of your voice mate oh, Sorry, we are sorry <laughs> I um <laughs> um yeah, it'd be good to get Gus on. It's just a talent. Oh, we've got. It's good that Gus is coming on the show. We've we've had a bit of something strange happen in the. I don't know if it's right to say or not. People have kind of started getting on board with our podcast a bit more. Well, it does fucking stink. <laughs> a shit flavoured microphone. <laughs> but um, I don't know whether. Can we announce it now? I don't know, but we've got Mitch Lees. Mitch Buchanan Just Lees. Do yeah. whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> That's a steamer right there. Do whatever we've got you Mitch want. Buchanan Lees, who's the editor of ADB magazine. He's going to come on for a yarn and we'll do a bit of a Bible studies. We've got... Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope that smells. Oh, it's not fucking good. The fucking barbecue, bar- barbecue dog shit that I had for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> I love being a child. Oh. <laughs> a 12-year-old, how much fun is it? Yeah, well, it's going to be good to get old Gus Bus on and have a bit of a chat to him. I mean, something's happened, something's changed or increased in the, in the podcast. People are really coming on board and taking notice. Special guest star that we've got on is Mitch Buchanan-Lees. He's the editor of ADB magazine. So I asked him to pack up his magazine and come in and we're going to do a Bible studies on that magazine with him. He's, he's looking forward to it. We're looking really forward to getting him on it. Marv. Uh, of course, Marv's the editor of VL Tuner at Street Machine's LS, LSX magazine. So you're going to come on and talk about all things VL and Adidas. And also we've got um, 
Well, we can't quite, we haven't confirmed this one, but we've got somebody from another big magazine. They're coming on with us, but they're still working it out with their kind of bosses sort of thing. So, and the condition was he had to take our podcast back to his the upper management and they've got to have a listen to it. So Ooh, we'll see how yeah. that, he's keen to come on. So if he doesn't come on in his capacity as editor of that magazine, we might get him on in his real name. So I don't. He just asked me to hang fire. He's keen, committed, ready to go, but he's just got to have it. the magazines might not fit. Yeah. Not, I think it look, totally does. Look, the reality is, is that we will never get sponsorship. We will never have anyone come on board advertising. It's purely because of, I guess, the rudeness that we carry on with. You know, and. You know, I suppose the thing is we don't really want to have to change our format to sort of placate anyone else. We just want to be who we are and do what we like. So that's something that you and I accepted from day dot. And we didn't do this to make money. Like we don't make any money from it. It costs us money. But it's one of those things where we're just doing it for fun. It's the thing that I enjoy. One of the things I enjoy the most every month is recording with you and recording with people and the people we've met. So yeah, we'll just roll with it. And And the thing is we've got a couple of people who've, also been interested to come along and, and be interviewed by us. So we're going to have a pretty full year of interviews. It's almost going to be that kind of every second month you'll be getting uh, someone fresh on here who we're going to be interviewing as well. I'm a little bit scared to be doing the Bible studies for ADB for Australian Dirt Bike, mainly because I have zero knowledge about motorbikes and dirt bikes. I'm just going to sound like the biggest wanker or the biggest idiot who has no idea what they're talking about. You'd be saying, oh, Simon, look at page such and such. What do you think of the new CR500? And I'll be like, oh, I like the sticker. So no, not just, at all anyway, I'm just going to sit back and let you guys do your thing on that the one. The thing about ADB, and as I was talking to someone the other day, the thing about ADB is it's a magazine absolutely fucking chocked full of dirt bikes <laughs> boom you know yeah. people people complain about or people love it for me i fucking I, I shake and i get nervous i'm happy when i open it it's like it's another 200 pages of dirt bikes it can never be wrong right so 94 so i'm going to finish off some stuff around 94 just some general stuff it's the feeling the vibe the marbo you know more or less just so yeah i was 21 uh i rolled my dats in 1600 with four of us in it <laughs> two girls two guys luckily on, on a dirt road luckily it had a six point cage and harnesses so the two people in the back had to kind of put their neck around the harness bolted to the back parcel shelf but it was a pretty fast crash on the dirt road yeah uh, big time acdc back in black that album was 14 years old in 94 wow scary led zeppelin houses of the holy great album it was 21 years old in 94 time was marching on wasn't it as we were getting towards the new millennium as well another great uh album la woman the doors 23 years old in 94 i thought i discovered that album i thought it was my personal discovery you know it was uh i was listening to almost nothing but the doors at at that time in 94 uh a funny little sidebar I remember in 94 in Liverpool, I went to get a tattoo on my left arm and I wanted Jim Morrison with an American mm. American poet written above it and the Lizard King written below it. And I can't remember what happened. There was some drama when I went there. I can't remember. There was some drama and it didn't end up happening. Thank fuck. <laughs> Let me guess. I bet you farted in the tattoo shop and they told you to get the fuck out. I don't know whether he said come back later or there was some karmic thing that protected me from having the fucking Lizard King on my fucking left arm still to this day. So. <laughs> It's interesting with tattoos. Back then, even back then, 94, tattoos, they used to say, amongst my friends, you know, I was a truck mechanic, hung around truck drivers, you know, just tradies, don't get them below your elbow because when you go out for an interview, you can wear a long sleeve shirt. Now, that's, that was where right. tattoos were sitting in 94. These days, tattoos are just prolific. 
And one editorialization on that is if you get a face tattoo these days, are you mm. is that the equivalent of getting a hand tattoo in 94? I think it is. If you get a tattoo on your arm of tribal or old English writing these days, it's nothing. It's like what every other 14-year-old a local rugby league player or fucking tramps got. So is a face tattoo these days, <laughs> is, a, is a face tattoo these days, is it the equivalent of that? I don't really know. I'm really not too sure. Uh, yeah. And- an EH was 30 years old in 94, so that's the equivalent today of a VNVL. Yeah, scary. That was 40, scary stuff. It was at, in 1994, it had been 46 years since the first hold and roll off the production line, mm. and it, it would be a further 25 until the last one was to roll off. Yeah. yeah. VK, VK Group AVL, uh, Group AVK was nine years old. Willie Nelson was 199 years old in 94. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it. In 1994, it had been 91 years since the Wright brothers sustained flight. They got 120 feet with a little aeroplane there in North Carolina. It'd be 60- That's pretty cool. It's cool. Fucking oath it is. And 66 years, 66 years later, after the Wright brothers, Neil and Buzz walked on the moon, which is 38,000 kilometres away. <laughs> That's pretty epic. If you don't get goosebumps watching that footage, you never will. It's, it's 100 kilometres to space. It's, for, it's it's four times further to Mackay than it is to space. Did you know it's only 100 k's so you, you get no, out? No, yeah, I didn't. It's, only, no. it's about 66 miles until you get out of space, so it's not that far. The Adriatic Trench is deeper than space is further away. It, um, wow. 94, Mike Tyson was in prison and still the baddest motherfucker on the earth, and Michael Jackson was still white. <laughs> <laughs> But just remember, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. Oh, I, I promise it. I'm not going to start that shit, okay? I'll leave the song lyrics away. So that's just oh, a few it's... things to think about for 94 for anybody. That's about, um, that's just shit I wrote down and wrapped up. Just, yeah. Anyway, that's what I was listening to and what I was up to, rolling cars, listening to the doors. Up to no good. Yeah, hopefully at the same time. It's funny you mentioned the doors. That brings me very neatly into some stuff I want to talk about in 1994. Now, Billy Idol. He had a guest spot in the movie The Doors. He played Cat. He was like a drinking buddy of uh, Val Kilmer played. Yeah, Jim uh, Morrison. Was it Val Kilmer? Yeah, he played Jim Morrison. That's right, yeah. Anyway, Billy Idol, I'm a huge fan. I've always loved his stuff. Like, I've always, just in the 80s, his songs were so awesome. And if there was any chance for me to ever go to, like, some fancy dress thing that was a 1980s theme, I always go to Billy Idol because of that reason. Now... 1994, he actually had a suspected drug overdose, and that's kind of when things really started to take a downhill slide for him, sadly, and his career music-wise. Starting at the, the good start of it, William Michael Albert Broad, that's his, his full name. He's born 30th of November 1955, so he's actually 64 years old now, old Billy Idol. Uh, he rose to fame in the 70s as a member of the punk rock band called Generation X. They were actually the first punk rock band to play on top of the pops in the UK, which is interesting. The name Billy Idol came from a school teacher who always used to describe him as being idle, as in I-D-L-E, you know, for not doing shit. So, of course, William becoming Billy Idol from the school teacher, giving him a hard time. He actually was going to spell it Billy Idol, I-D-L-E, but of course there was the Monty Python uh, guy, Eric Idol, the comedian, who's a funny bastard. So he already had that, so he didn't want that kind of association, hence why he went with I-D-O-L, which probably works better, I think, personally, for a singer anyway, and the whole thing of being an idol. Yeah, rock star, 
Yes, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So he, of course, shifted to the States in the 80s and kicked off with a solo career. He had a lot of, did a lot of stuff with Steve Stevens, who's a fantastic guitarist. You know, songs To Be A Lover, White Wedding, Sweet Sixteen, we all know them. They're all fantastic songs. Rebel Yell, great song. And he just, that snarl, the Billy Idol snarl. We still do that now anytime a Billy Idol song comes on. He kind of almost had that as, it's almost like a trademark of his was the big lip snarl. But by the sort of the mid-80s, Steve Stevens went off, broke away and started doing stuff with Harold Faltermeyer. They actually did the Top Gun anthem for the movie Top Gun. So Steve Stevens and Billy Idol had a bit of a falling out. In 1990, that's when things really sort of started to take a bit of a turn. He was hit by a car after he ran a stop sign on his motorbike and he nearly lost his leg because of that which is pretty bad the big repercussions for this weren't just his health and trying to recover with the leg dramas he had actually been cast to play a pretty major role in the doors film but because of the injury he actually had to just pull that back to sort of only a minor role because he was recovering but probably the biggest thing and i never knew this until i was looking into this the other day the hugest thing and i just wonder how his career movie wise may have gone differently if this had gone through he had already been cast to play the t-1000 android robot in terminator 2 you know the the guy who's the police officer in terminator 2 yeah that role of course ended up going to robert patrick billy idol was going to play that role how awesome would that have been Shit, you know, look, another big name to it. Massively. I mean, look, now you can't imagine anyone but Robert Patrick playing that robot. You know, like he's sort of made of that weird titanium and he's just the police officer who's hunting down John Connor. It's just weird to think what it would have been like to watch that with Billy Idol in that role. Sigourney Weaver would have been good in that role. as that badass, you know, the, the shapeshift. <laughs> yeah. She would have, eh? She's just got that fucking... <laughs> she would have been excellent, eh? Yep. No, definitely. And, you know, so look, he he sort of continued to plug along and still does now. Look, the 1998 movie, The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler, that was focused a lot about Billy Idol. He had a cameo at the end of that. I always remember, I kind of felt bad for him, the 2002 NRL Grand Final. He came into the, for the halftime entertainment, he came into Sydney Stadium on a hovercraft to sing White Wedding, but there was some power failure and he never got to sing it. It all just fell into a heap, which is pretty bad. Bit of a, a sad sort of end to what would have been a awesome thing to see now that's for sure so he had some great albums billy idol rebel yell whiplash smile so it's timeless stuff you can't beat if you've got some time on the road or something like that you cannot beat chucking in vital idol or just billy idol's greatest hits that'll keep you going for ages so massive fan of his stuff and will continue to be that's for sure it's definitely been on my playlist my whole life. It's always it's a workshop favourite, all, all of that stuff. And Billy Idol and same yeah, thing. Is, yeah. I, know, I know it's a cliche, but sound, you know, soundtrack to your life, whatever, but I would have been around 94, particularly probably more so around 93, 94 when I was an apprentice in, in Liverpool, New South Wales. I used to drive into the city on a Friday night, put, you know, maybe 12, 15 bucks worth of fuel in my Gemini. Go in the city yeah. and have that on tape, and particularly that song "Hot in the City." You know, like you drive down. Oh yeah, it is kind of about beautiful people and is about the vibe. But of course, as a as an apprentice in tracksuit, with fucking you know, you're only in there just to have a look. You know, I probably wouldn't have even parked. Probably just drove around the city a few times, maybe got a kebab or something. Quite funny. I don't know whether I put this together later or whether I put it together at the time. But around 1999, when I moved back to Sydney from from WA the first time, or the second or third, yeah. I fucking lose track. I remember. Uh, being in modern Jackson's on George, one of them clubs up in there. Just, like, you know, we're in there just partying on a Friday, Saturday night. I was living in Crow at the time, so when the boys all went over and we're out in the city, I think that song come on. It's just funny, the shift, you know, like I was out there, I was like an apprentice at that intersection down there in my little car looking at all the people. Didn't know anybody. I was a half. Yeah. Pop. 
probably yeah. I wasn't drinking at the time, you know, whatever. I was just too busy trying to get this tape over the line, get the life stuff over the line. And then all of a sudden you sit back and you're like, wow, cool. Now it's shifted. Now I'm that person. I, I haven't... I haven't <laughs> I haven't quite explained that well, but I don't know. It sounded funny. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It's funny how time can change things in your life. And it's funny you mentioned Hot in the City by Billy Idol. Great song. That was actually the theme song for a show called Booker, which featured Richard Grieco. And if you remember that show, that was actually an offshoot of 21 Jump Street. You know how they do that with shows like 21 Jump Street? They introduced his character as Booker. You know, so he was in there for an episode, and then they use that as to sort of generate interest in him as a character. Then they do the offshoot show, kind of like how Mork, like Mork and Mindy, was an yeah. offshoot of Happy Days. Like Robin Williams' character was in Happy Days, and then they did the side show. They just sort of pushed it away as so, well. And they did that with, I think it was nine hundred two one zero. The Hills became not came as oh, a right show right. from that or something, but whatever had Tiffany Ambertis, as I mentioned last episode, if she was in it, it's worth watching. 1994 was a very interesting time for music. You had Kurt Cobain, of course, died uh, in 1994 in April. One of the most, I guess, massive songs from them was Glycerine by Bush. I know they had a couple of other hits after, but not really a lot. But it's it's an interesting time. Like, Australian music especially really was powering on. There was just this onslaught of Australian acts around that time. And to me, it's very reminiscent of the late 70s and early 80s with music in Australia, where Australian bands like Cold Chisel, Australian Crawl, all these bands were really making waves in the scene. And, like, early 90s, it's sort of, you know, then Australian music kind of dies off. I guess it comes and goes in ways, but you had bands like Grinspoon, Regurgitator, Custard, Spiderbait, Something for Kate, Powderfinger, Ratcat. They were a little bit early, but always loved Ratcat. And was, I guess they were always kind of classed more as alternative music, but then you had Silverchair, which has started alternate, then kind of went mainstream. I don't give a shit about alternative and mainstream. I don't specifically listen to any genre. I just listen to stuff I like. But it's kind of funny... When you see and look at why those bands might have been so popular at that time, you just have to look at what was the mainstream top 10 charts, like what songs were the top 10 for 1994, and you'll see why we all just gravitate towards these Australian bands. Mate, have a listen to this. I'll I'll whip through it quickly. This is 1 to 10. Love is all around. Wet, wet, wet. Number two, I swear, all for one. Number three was always by Bon Jovi. It's not too bad. Number four was It's All Right by E17. Number five, The Sign, Ace of Bass. I friggin' fucking hate that song, still do. Number six, The the Power of Love, Celine Dion. Number seven, (laughs) I Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Number eight, Please Forgive Me by Brian Adams. Number nine, and probably the best one is here, was Tomorrow by Silverchair. Number ten was All for Love by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting. Is there not a sleepier song than that? But it's no wonder we all went over to listening to the more Triple J-based stuff. And the Triple J Hottest 100 for that year, when you could actually listen to it on Australia Day, it wasn't deemed to be wrong. That was a great list. You know, you had the Cranberries. You had the Offspring had two songs in that. You had Veruca Salt. You had Nirvana. You had all those bands, which I guess were really close to our generation and what we got into, you know? Well, Triple J, I was always a massive supporter of Triple J because I travelled around Australia like during the next, say, from, from 95 to... Oh, fuck, 2003, I guess. I was basically... Yeah. Uh, but So Triple J can listen to anywhere, and I was a massive fan of it. It was the... Uh, what Triple J was, I don't know if it, I, I kind of haven't listened to it much, but it's the Australian Youth Network Radio, they call it. So it's meant yeah, to be... Yeah, sure. It's, it's aimed to be low, the 25 year So if you don't understand it now, don't worry, because you're not meant to. But interesting, <laughs> the guys are listening to it where I worked about four workshops ago. And so they listened to Triple J, and I thought, oh, I can get into it. I understand what it means and stuff. 
and have this, oh, ring up now and tell us your Triple J stories, whatever. So, you know, how I'm always keen for the answer. So I ring the, I said, oh, fuck, I'll ring, I'll ring the line. I'll get hold of somebody there. And I said, oh, I just wanted to have a chat about Triple J, about, you know, um, Mikey Robbins, Helen Razor, Sandman. Um, yes. Ryan H. G. Keith, and, Keith the Moravian Swearing Bear. I fucking love Arabia. And the chick that was there just, oh, yeah, we'll get someone, we'll call you back, which is code for fuck off and die and like us on Instagram or something, you old fucking hanger on or a piece of shit. And I just thought, <laughs> fucking damn you. But I had a Triple, triple J, uh, you know, T-shirts, Attica, Attica, you know, Sandman. He used to talk about yep, Jeff yeah. and I and stuff. And yeah. so I bought a Sandman, I bought a Sandman T-shirt from the ABC shop in Cronulla, uh, Miranda Fair. And as we were walking downstairs, me and my mate Moz, who looks like Robbie Williams, and I stopped from getting fucking spike date raped one night by a guy. Anyway, but we're heading oh. down. Yeah, that was, that's what I was going to tell the rest of that Billy Ola story, but it might be a bit. <laughs> so we're going downstairs to Miranda Fair, and there's a sign, get your shirt signed by the Sharks, or get your shit signed by the Sharks. And we go, oh, fuck, that'd be right. So I just had a brand new Triple J shirt. I thought I'd get it signed. <laughs> as we walk through to where the Sharks are sitting, there's fucking nobody lined up. But as we get within about 10 metres, everybody's turning around, not even going to them. Look down, it says Olympic Sharks, which is the soccer team. <laughs> oh. <laughs> as soon as we spin that like a pair of shit Mate, we turned around as well and fucked off, and they're not talking. <laughs> no, That's I'm a ma- massive fan of Triple J, and, and yeah, it was just funny the other day. Though, and I, I can't listen to anymore, which makes sense that I shouldn't, nor should I. They're getting something wrong if I do. It's for the twenty-five and under. You know, it's theirs now. It, it always yeah. has been there. So, you know. Big time. Uh, anyway, Big just time. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Titties. <laughs> That'll do. Sweet mate. I fucking love talking about this shit, hey. Hey, wrapping us up for this episode, as you mentioned earlier, we're actually back next episode with uh, Gus from Street Machine Magazine. We'll be doing a Bible studies. I think we might do it first because we always run longer with all the other stuff we do. But as a Gus's choice, we'll then be getting on and discussing 2003. I don't even fucking know if I did anything exciting in 2003. I was just broke ass. I'll have to go and have a look back through my memory and photos. And I guess we can always talk about cars if worse comes to worse. So very much looking forward to episode 25. We'll be back after the tennis with that episode. I just had to say that. But don't you fucking hate that? You'll be watching something on TV. It's that crappy time of the year. But you're watching something being advertised on TV. And it's like, oh, yeah, geez, that show looks pretty interesting. And it'll be on after the tennis or after the cricket. And you're like, fuck, man, that's like after Easter. Like, don't tease us with all this shit that's coming up unless you're going to play it in the next week or so. That is uh, dead right. 2003. I think it was the year I parked up the magic carpet and reopened my toolbox and adulted. Ah, yeah, okay. Still no, here. should be a good year. should be a good year and it'll be awesome chatting with Gus. I look forward to it very much. So I'm, thanks, everyone, for your support. Just before we do the closing, I've written, I've had this written down for the last six podcasts. It's going to take me about two and a half minutes. I need, can I just squeeze it in now? Yeah, and you can say it as well. Go for it. <laughs> I want to just make some comments on the Valiant Charger. I've been reading a lot lately, just... I've just been escaping the books because it's just been easier than being an adult. I recently reread Walter Scott's Ivanhoe. That's a great book. King Arthur, you know, Guinevere, uh, Sir Lancelot, all that kind of stuff. And each yeah. time I read a phrase in the book, it's like the Black Knight sits on his valiant charger. A charger is a horse. When you do jousting, a really good uh, thoroughbred horse is called a charger. So that's, they don't even call them horses. They call it a charger. And valiant. That's cool. Yeah. So somebody... At uh, Chrysler in America, originally, when, where, who was the first person to use Valiant or Charger 
as a car name would have been the Americans, wouldn't it? They had a Charger oh, before Oh, yeah, us. definitely. Yeah, the, definitely Plymouth Valiant and the Charger came under the Dodge brand. Yeah, uh, so, so they all come under the Chrysler yeah. Pentastar, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure where uh, Valiant comes in, whether that was an Australian one, but every time I have a look, anybody's got American. Book, yeah, mm-hmm. grab the book and have a look, and it just makes you laugh every time that, that you know, the Brave Knight mount on his Valiant Charger. <laughs> just see, like, a dude with a really durry cool, hanging out though, of his mouth. isn't it? It's yeah. awesome. I actually really like that. Yeah. It's a bit I of fiction. never knew that. Yeah, I never knew that. I wasn't yeah. aware of that that connection, and it just makes Valiant Chargers seem even cooler now. I should actually, next time I will, I'll get a, um, I'll write it down. I probably won't. I'll read it out as it is, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> I like Sweet. Friar Tuck. He's like the drunken, he's the pisshead and the priest. I really like that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice combo. Well, potentially scary combo, but a nice combo as well. Can you say thank you very much to St. Lucy for joining us on this episode? I'd like to say thank you, everybody, for getting on and supporting us. It's been much fun again. I've really enjoyed sitting down talking some cars. Most definitely, especially after all the Christmas New Year crapola. It's nice to get back to sort of where we were. But um, I look forward to speaking to you next episode. And don't forget, if you've got anything you want to send us, uh, our email address is thongslappers at optusnet.com.au. Uh, or you can follow us on Instagram at the Thong Slappers. So, Redman, mate, it's always a pleasure. I freaking get so much pleasure out of doing this show with you. We have a good laugh always, you know, away from the podcast as well, the, the, the texting and the photos and the dumb shit we talk about. Anyway, I look forward to speaking to you in episode 26 along with Gus after the tennis and... <laughs> Just joking. And, mate, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. So stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, we'll s- yeah, bike all right, enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, says so I, mate. Love the family. I nearly, do- I, nearly- I nearly don't want to stop the show. I've been having such a great time. I'm just inspired. But I guess I've got to fuck off, don't I? <laughs> oh, well, I could, um, could have a fart contest. I've got a pain in the stomach from that fucking coffee. Fuck, I've drank some. At least it's I can't smell the, through this. All I can do is hear you, and that's one really of the good things. I'm going trail riding, and I just know that I never, ever clean my camelback out. I put more water on top of the filthy old water. The first <laughs> mouthful out of your camelback always tastes like a fucking Wookiee's asshole. but it's not until <laughs> you're really hot. When you're out the back, when you've been standing on the pegs for a minute, minute and a half, whatever, and you're hot and you're sweaty, that water in your fucking camelback, you're like, this is the nicest drink ever. <laughs> it's not till you're thirsty that you love it. <laughs> That's it. Well, enjoy the ride, mate, and I'll speak well, to you soon. Take care, Simon. See you, buddy. Have fun. See you, mate. Yeah. Bye. Nice job, this boys, eh? Plenty of chrome in there. Those places six are rickstores. You're a freak. You know that, Wayne? Come on, you long streaker. Get your own baby. Red charger, mate. Where's the old Sorry, mate. You're a Sorry, Chief. Sorry, Chief. Wasn't meant for you. 